Welcome to The Dish, the culinary travel podcast focusing on the stories behind world-famous foods. We are your hosts, Tom and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us for tasty histories, destination food guides, and more. In this episode, we are talking to Owen from Devour Barcelona Tours, and we're talking about a few really special Catalonian dishes that you'll be able to find if you head to that region. There's going to be pork, there's going to be beans, there's going to be seafood. It's going to be awesome. So just let's get into this episode. everyone, welcome to another episode of The Dish. Yes, we are doing something a little bit different this week, so we hope you guys like it. With everything being closed down, we're not traveling so much, we're not eating so much, so we thought we would uh, reach out to some people that are in the regions that they can just go out and get some of this tasty food, some of the experts talking about the best food from their areas. Well, I mean, you say we're not eating so much. We are probably eating more than ever before. <laughs> I definitely put on some uh, some isolation weight, that's for sure. Yeah, but we decided let's try and spread our reach a little bit as we can't travel to places. Let's talk to the experts. Let's talk to some tour guides. Let's talk to some locals. And we're going to be doing a few more episodes uh, mixed in as well with a few of our regular episodes where it's just the two of us. So that is why today we are being joined by Owen from Devour Tour and Devour Barcelona specifically, because they actually have a few different tours, I think eight around Europe, including a few in Spain. So Barcelona is a place we've been to a few times. But today, uh, in this interview, we're going to find a few dishes that we actually have never tried and a few that we've never even heard of. So this is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty excited to learn about these different dishes and definitely put down in our mental notebooks of food to try when we return to Spain. Because, I mean, I'll always say yes to Spain. Let's be honest. Technically Spain, but I mean, is it Spain in Catalonia? Controversial. Got to be careful how you say it. All right. That's true. Catalonia is very different. We'll get into a little bit of that and a lot of food in this interview. So here we go. All right, everybody, we're speaking to Owen from Devour Barcelona Tours, and he's going to be telling us about some fantastic food in Barcelona today and all about some maybe some hints and local secrets to do with Barcelona as well, if he's got some, because he's been uh, working there for quite a while now with the tour company. So, Owen, welcome to The Dish. Thank you for having me. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello. Yeah, Owen. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yes, crazy Corona times. It uh, it does give us a small opportunity that all of these busy tour guides we can actually get them on the phone and uh, and have a chat, which is fantastic. Yeah, no, we would love to be pounding the streets, taking uh, I'm sure many of your listeners and other curious travellers around the family run restaurants that we visit, but we just can't do that right now. So no, it's, that is very sad. But we'll just- at least we appreciate that we can get you on the show. We'll live in food dreamland for the moment. Yeah. So let's get a bit of your backstory first, so our listeners can get a bit of an introduction and understand your sort of general knowledge and uh, experience with working in Barcelona as a tour guide. Sure. So I'll, I'll go back a bit before I moved to Barcelona to give you a bit of sure. an idea about uh, who I am. I was working in politics after uni for like four, about four or five years um, and really didn't like it. I didn't like just the world of it. So left. I don't know if anyone um, likes politics right now. I got out. I got out just in time. I say just in time. Yeah. Yeah, I, got, I, I got out of it. Um, and but really wanted to work in food. Food's amazing. Uh, people that love food are the best people. People that work in food are even better. And I, so I just wanted to try and do that. Uh, it was an itch I had to scratch. I got a job working in a local bakery down in South London. And in this local bakery, I was working on the market. I was working in the production unit. I was doing the accounts and I wanted to open my own business. I They moved me to a new store and that's where I met a lady from Barcelona. And she was a customer and she would come in to the shop every week, a couple times a week, and we'd chat and I'd give her free food and free coffee just to make her stay for longer. Um, 
And eventually we started going out. I, I'm English, so I, it took me a year to pluck up the courage to ask her out, but I did. And <laughs> we then, I then opened my own coffee shop in South London. So I've also been a, a food business owner. But after a couple of years of that, we decided we wanted to move back to Barcelona, where my wife, my now wife is from. So we moved here about five years ago, shortly before the Brexit vote. And I worked as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an English teacher for sort of 18 months. It's, yeah. you know, it's what you do when you're, you speak English and you, move, and, and, and you move abroad. Yeah, it's, it's, a, <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a free job. You go. Yeah. Um, but I, I did not enjoy that. I wanted to be in food. So I started following this great company with really good Instagram and Facebook accounts, and it was Devour. So I, 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 I literally begged. I begged and pleaded with them to, to give me a job. I applied twice to be a guide and was rejected. And in the end, I sent Lauren, one of our owners, an email just saying, hey, look, I'm going to keep applying for jobs. So kind of you're going to have to give me one at some point. And then the job that I have came up. I applied for it, and I've been working for Devour now for sort of two, two and a half years as the operations manager. Um, Fantastic. So persistence really paid off there. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it was persistence which got me the job. And obviously, I guess it just shows the the level, like the quality level Devour expects from their tour guides if you got turned down a couple of times. Mm, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, we kind of, essentially, I hadn't been living in Barcelona long enough to become a tour guide for Devour. I was not considered to be able to know enough about the city, which is probably right. Um, and so I think it was good that they delayed me that year before to, before joining. And to be fair, when I joined, I joined as operations manager. So I'm not sort of, I'm not doing tours every day uh, for Devour. I'm also in touch, in touch with the vendors, managing their issues, paying the, paying the unimportant invoices to them. Um, troubleshooting when a vendor closes down, something like that. Mm. Yeah, and we have a tour running in four hours. How do we? How do we fix that? That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> that's, that's bad. Hey, yeah, yeah, sorry, we can't do it today. We've decided to close the restaurant. Like, what? That's, that, that's happened that's on tricky. more than one. That's happened on more than one occasion. Wow. Thankfully, not because they were closing down permanently, but you sometimes get a message from the vendor saying, "Oh yeah, hi. Um, tonight we have a private party, so we can't take your group." And you go, oh, "Okay, cool." Um, and that's when you sort of jump into action. And we have lots of other places that we work with now and again and we know so it's all about having these relationships so i feel really lucky because five years ago i was living in southeast london waking up at 6 a.m to go to run my own coffee shop and now i live in barcelona i am on first name terms with people that run these great restaurants and bars and places that i i came to before i moved to barcelona with my wife i came to as a tourist and now here i am shooting the breeze with the owners and the managers and yeah. it's just it's it's incredible i i really consider myself to be very lucky yeah i mean barcelona is such a fun city i know it's had a bit of over touristing obviously right now it's very under touristed yeah. if that's even a word but um yeah so i mean what are your impressions of the city overall and and for people coming there like you tell us a little bit about barcelona as a destination so, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, Tom. Like, Barcelona has been super over-touristed, hyper-touristed, uber-touristed, not so. Um, and so when you're coming to Barcelona, you really need to watch out for sort of where you're going. It, it, it's a fantastic city. First and foremost, it's, it's an amazing city. Uh, the people are really friendly. You have the beach. You have the mountains behind. You've got centuries millennium millennia of history of art of architecture and you have all of these like different areas most people when they come to barcelona don't really leave Bella, which is sort of the, the old the old center of the town that's the gothic quarter and elborn and if they're a bit more adventurous they head into raval which is where you find the absinthe bars and that kind of thing um but most people don't really leave that area they go to barcelona for the beach but that's kind of it. But there's so much more out there in Barcelona. So, like my my big tip for when when you can return to Barcelona to, to come here after all of these lockdown measures have been have been eased, my my tip would be to stay in a hotel or stay in an Airbnb well out of the centre. Barcelona is a very small city, really. It's very you can you can move around it really easily. So you don't need to be in the centre to be able to get around easily. 
You can be out in Sants. You can be over in Pueblo New. You can be in Pueblo Sec. You have in Gracia, where I know you guys went and did one of our tours. You can be further out, and you're still really well connected in Barcelona. So I, I would stay out of the centre and just wander around and look at the architecture. It's incredible. Mm. Uh, and those those local suburbs, they still really feel like Barcelona, or is it more modern? What's your sort of thoughts on that? So places like Poblacet, which is on the sort of the southern edge of the centre of the city, if, we, if we're looking at Barcelona as it is sort of with lying on the coast, um, so to the, on the north of the city, I'm, I'm talking about up the coast, not inland. So on the mm-hmm. south, you have Poblisec, and that's getting quite trendy. I won't lie to you. That's, that's getting quite cool and trendy, and so that is changing, but it's still very much Barcelona. And in the north, you have Poblenou. So there's this kind of a, there's an industrial area which separates main Barcelona and Poblenou. If you've seen a car advert made by Sayat, then you've seen that industrial area in between the city and Poblenou. That's where all of these yeah. car adverts get made. Um, and at the end, you have Poblenou, which is the area where the factory workers used to live, basically. Um, Barcelona was one of the first cities to industrialize, the first city to industrialize Spain. And it was home to loads of workers who came in from the Catalan countryside. And Poblenou is very much still Barcelona. So, Really, once you're once you're out of the centre, you are very much in Barcelona. Mm, so yeah, it's more the culture still continues, even if the architecture becomes a little more modern. Is that absolutely, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can wander around anywhere in Barcelona, and at the weekend, you can find a street randomly closed because there is uh, a local sort of street party going on. There, there are some sort of there are some some sort of events going on. So yeah, you can you you are understandably in Barcelona, and the culture is very much still thriving. Mm, that's fantastic. Yeah, because uh, I mean, for anyone who's been there, and, and well, actually, especially for anyone who hasn't been there yet, when you hit that main central tourist strip of Las Ramblas, which is like mm. a, a long avenue, a lot of those restaurants are very low quality. Uh, they just they're shifting out the yeah. cheapest possible paellas to people, which isn't really even a Barcelona dish, I don't think. It's um, from further south. Um, so, yeah, getting out of Barcelona, well, to the suburbs of Barcelona, you're going to have a bit more authentic food, I guess. Absolutely. Um, you can still find good places to eat in the center, but they are becoming fewer and far between. And it's just really difficult. So, I mean, obviously go to the center, go to the center of Barcelona. That's People love it because there is much of the best architecture is there. However, when you're there, please do your absolute best to search out these older places uh, because it's extremely hard for the these older, more traditionally run restaurants and bars to remain open when the rents all around them are going up. So when you're in the centre, please really try my conscious effort to go to these family-run local places. Yeah, I think we hit one up when we were there. It was so long ago, I can't even remember the name, but they had about five tables in the restaurant and the family who ran the place were just so welcoming. Uh, We didn't have fancy food, but it was just tasty homemade style food. And we really appreciated like supporting their restaurant as well, I think. Great. And actually kind of, and and this is it, like Catalan food or Catalan food and Barcelona being the capital of Catalonia, the food here isn't fancy or sort of good looking food. Um, People think of Spain as being bright and colorful and flamboyant. And it kind of is, but Catalonia is sort of known amongst the Spanish because we are, we're the Germans of Spain. Uh, or the Scottish, or the Scottish right? kind of the stereotypes are that some aren't, some unfair, obviously. That the Catalans are a bit thrifty, you know. They they know the value of money uh, up in Catalonia, and actually in Catalan, we describe the Spanish as having something called rausha, which is sort of oh, I've forgotten the word now. Well, ra- you can you kind of imagine onomatopoeically rausha sounds like something just illogical. They they do things on the spur of the moment without sense. Mm. Whereas Catalans, we have sen s e n y, which basically means a sort of an inherent inbuilt common sense, and that sort of kind of starts to show you some of the differences I think between Catalonia and the rest of Spain. The Spanish have rausha, and the Catalans have sen. Um, and the food, I think, and I think the food kind of follows uh, that theme. 
I remember when we were there, there was a phrase my local friend told me uh, that was in vogue at the time. Uh, might still be uh, bueno, bonita, barata. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good, pretty and cheap. That's what they yeah, want with yeah. food. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And the bonita is the least important. If it's bueno y barato, then vale, yeah. si es bonito, perfecto, pero si no, vale, no pasa nada. So kind of, yeah, if it's, if it's, if it's good and cheap, that's really what counts. Yeah. I'm all right with that. I think we we find some of the best food around the world is the street food anyway. So, you know, there's always a market for the high-end stuff. But Absolutely. when it comes to fantastic local street foods, I'm totally fine with paying less. This is, yeah. this is good with me. Good with my wallet. All right. I mean, I guess we should start talking about some specific dishes. So I mm. think you've got, uh, you've got a few local favorites, I'm guessing, that you can tell us a little bit of a story about and a little bit of history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually, before I get going on those, I just wanted to is just to give people a bit of a rundown because Spain is everyone thinks of Barcelona as being in Spain, which is perfectly correct. It is in Spain, but it's also in maybe more importantly, it's in Catalonia. Um, and like Catalonia is one of the areas which I guess is really best known for food in Spain. And it's Catalonia and the Basque Country mm. in northern Spain. I'm sure you're going to get complaints from anyone in Seville saying things like this. It's <laughs> so pretty good I, too. <laughs> the, the food's great. In, the food's great all over Spain. But yeah, kind of, it is. When I say this, I've got a few points to back me up. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> try and deflect any of the sort of bullets or stones that fly my way. Um, so well, when you look at like the world's top 50 restaurants, kind of, you know, the, the, the poll of chefs from 2002, right up to last year, Catalonia had, an entrant in the top five every year, sometimes more, yeah. sometimes two, in El Bulli and Can Roca. Um, and then you have like, the Basque Country. They also have huge representation in, in these lists. And that's partly because Catalonia and the Basque Country are two of the wealthiest regions. They can support restaurants of the standard. But I think it's also because like, up in the north of Spain, the, the Catalonia and the Basque Country are the two sort of wettest regions of Spain. They're the, they're the two furthest north. And so you have this amazing breadth of local produce to choose from. Madrid and Seville have great food, but I mean Madrid's on a plateau or high up. Doesn't really it's it's not amazing for, for, for growing food. And Andalusia is 35, 40 degrees for months on end over the summer. But in the north you have a much you have a much better much broader range of diversity. Mm. Also, Catalonia and the Basque Country both spread into France. So we have big influences from French cuisine in Catalonia and the Basque Country. You also have these strong identities, and in Catalonia and Basque Country, their identities, their sort of national identities, are also imbued into the food, and they're stereotyped as the hardest working regions. And so, kind of, and I think all of this impacts and is a great intro for the food that I'm going to be talking about um, today. So, sort of keeping in mind this this image and this culture in Catalonia. So, the dishes. What dishes are we going to talk about? The main dish I want to talk about is it's kind of like it's kind of a celebration dish in um Lunia, but it's really 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 unfancy so people think of celebratory dishes as being quite grand and ornate this is the exact opposite which again kind of plays to catalonia what catalonia is mm. it's a dish which so in, so in catalonia um culture and society is built around the collective there's a strong history of workers, uh, cooperatives and collectives in Catalonia, and they're still very strong today, even in the city um, in Barcelona. And whenever you get together with a group of people in Catalonia of more than, say, 10, 12 people, so it's not just friends and family, it's actually out, it goes outside of that. When mm. you get together in any number to do an activity, to celebrate, just to sort of share a long Sunday, this is the dish sort of nine times out of ten, that you will be served. And so it's butifarra, which is the, the Catalan sausage, mangetas, which are little sort of white beans. So think of sort of cassoulet from France, mm. and you have those white beans in mind. Uh, escarivada, which is grilled vegetables. Alioli, which is kind of a garlic mayonnaise, but it's not a mayonnaise. It really is just garlic and olive oil smashed together mm, and then yeah nice. and then and then and then pan con tomato 
kind of like the national side of Catalonia. And this plate of food, butifarra, manchetas, escaribada, alioli, and pan con tomate, for me is 100% Catalonia on a plate. But it it doesn't, it's not the kind of dish you're going to think of when you think of Spain. No. Um, it's, you know, it's a really, it's a really quite heavy central to Northern European style dish in Spain. And I say, it's, for me, it's, it's, it's kind of the national dish of, of, of Catalonia. Yeah. And it doesn't even, it doesn't sound like a dish. It sounds like a, a lot of dishes together that makes up this whole experience. Sure, precisely. So actually, that's a really good point. It's the kind of, I guess, on one side, you have the butifarra and manjetas. And the, the, the sausage and beans is a really famous like, set-piece dish in, yeah. in, in, in Barcelona. When you come to Barcelona, and please do, you'll see that lots of the restaurants, the vast, the vast majority of restaurants, have something called a menu del dia, which is the lunch menu. And you can get like a three-course meal for about 12 euros for lunch. And everywhere, everywhere has these. Some places are more expensive, etc. But in general, 12 to 15 euros will get you a good three-course meal. And pretty much throughout the year, one of the dishes on that menu will be butifarra and mongeas. And actually, it came to sort of prominence as a dish in the 19th century. Uh, Barcelona had these inns called Fonda de Siso. And it was where the middle and lower classes, when they came into the city, to do business, because even in Catalonia, even the working classes travel to do business. When you mm. came into the city to do business, you would stay in one of these inns. And it was uh, it was six rals, which was the currency back then, two of which went on food. And this these inns in Barcelona started to actually develop kind of a, a public Catalan cuisine. Previously to that, any identifiable cuisine was for the upper classes. And then the working class, the middle classes, just ate what there was. But with these inns, an actual, there was actually a, a public image of what Catalan cuisine was for the working and middle classes. And one of the main dishes served at these inns was butifarra and manjetas. Mm-hmm. So kind of, so that dish has a long history in Barcelona and it's attached and it's tied to like, the people, the workers. This is one of those dishes that you have. However, when you go to like um, when you have sort of um, a celebratory day or something like that, we add a few more things to it. So you would always add alioli because if you can add alioli to something, you should. So you, you <laughs> get the garlic and the olive oil. Some people make it really offensively strong with garlic, and you can then mix it in with the beans. So you've got this. Beautiful, ah. like, yeah, that's what you do. So the, it's like a mix and match, make your own strength garlic sort of beans. Precisely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because like, so the beans, you boil them and then you saute them there to finish, and so they have some juice with them. And then you add in the, and then when you're when you're eating with the sausage, add in the alioli, stir that in, and it kind of goes like this really unctuous, creamy, garlicky mm. bean stew thing. Um, so you add that in, you then serve it with some escarivada because you need vegetables in your life. And everybody, everybody knows this. Allegedly. Need, allegedly. Doctors say this, but what do they know? It's, when I first started coming to Barcelona, so I first started coming to Barcelona about eight years ago with my wife, then girlfriend. And after like a week here, I would find myself craving broccoli because <laughs> in Spain, and I, I said to my, to Jess, my wife, I was like, why don't, can I, I was like, can I just have some salad? And, but it's like, if you have a guest in Spain, you do not give them vegetables. You give them uh-huh. meat and potatoes and dairy and more meat and maybe some chickpeas, but you do not give them vegetables. So I, I would always fly back to the UK, just crave some bored broccoli. But, you have to have vegetables. And so we have a scalivada, which is fantastic. So you take red peppers, uh, maybe some aubergine, onions, wrap them in tin foil, and whack them on the barbecue or on, or, or on a grill. And what happens is that the juices, that the cooking juices, stay inside the foil and moisten everything up. So it's, the, so it's really moist and, and delicious. You then take them out, peel them, let them cool down, drizzle them with olive oil, and you've got a, a fantastic sort of dish, uh, side dish. Now, escalivada is normally a side dish, but it works perfectly with the butifarra and mongetas. Mm, okay. And the butifarra, uh, did we say that that's a pork sausage, right? But it's what a pork sort sausage. Of, 
what sort of parts of the pork are we talking for this? All the good bits. All the, all, all the just all. Ah, the fancy bits, not the uh, not the cheeky bits that people don't like in England. Not necessarily. No, 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 no. So, so butifada is kind of the butifada is like, it's a nose to tail sausage. It's everything. It'll be ah, the good okay, bits, bad it bits. It's everything. And like one of the main differences between sort of. Uh, butifara and say an English British sausage is and this is certainly the way I grew up anyway lots of British sausages have like sort of just filler in there maybe some breadcrumbs to kind of pad it out that kind of thing the butifara is 100% uh, meat and fat with and then and then like heavily seasoned so it's quite peppery and so that's the main that's that's sort of the butifara de pages or butifara de perron and that would be the one you'll use for this sort of dish, but you can also get other types of butifara. My my the least favourite of which is um, egg sausage butifara dal. What? Yes, the actual egg. Actual egg. So what you so it's it's like a normal sausage mix, but they just mix some eggs into the mix, so it's bright yellow. Um, and yeah. that's it's really weird. Like I love sausage and I love eggs and I love sausage with eggs, but I've yet to get my taste buds around the idea of the egg sausage. Yeah. That sounds so strange. I mean, I know we had Butifara blood sausage in Mallorca. Yes. It's yeah. similar sort of product, um, but I've never seen it as an egg sausage. That's so, so odd. And it just, it's the visual like going through my head doesn't sound appealing to be honest <laughs> it's weird yellow sausage the, but like the worst thing is i was so when i was te- when i was before i started working with and i was teaching english um i i love food i was talking to my students all of my classes descended into chats about food and they mentioned that oh it's it was i forget which day it is it's a religious day maybe it was lent the end of lent something like that i forget and they're like oh yeah no you have to have you have to have the egg sausage and I just thought they, I, I just thought they, they were saying it wrong. <laughs> when in, it was an English class. I was like, no, 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 no. You mean egg with sausage? And they're like, no, 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 egg sausage. Um, and then they said, actually, and what we and we eat it with like sardines. What? Yeah. So you get like this cold egg sausage. You slice it on some bread with some sardines. It's one of the worst things I've ever eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is fun. So go to Barcelona and eat the worst thing that Owen's ever eaten. <laughs> this, this is, that's it. End of the show. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, so that's one to avoid at least. So people yeah, might don't have the egg sausage. But the butifarra de perol with mangetas, escaribada, alioli, panco tomate is just a fun. It's a, it's a celebration dish in Catalonia. Super simple. Everything is really tasty, and it's it's essentially poor this poor people's food. You know, vegetables simply roasted. Beans, which are really cheap, yeah. But the butifarra, which is widely available, I mean, it's it's a good quality sausage, but it's not expensive. And then pan con tomate, and pan con tomate was originally a way to use stale bread and tomatoes that were too soft. Um, if you have stale bread, which is really hard, but you rub it with some tomato, you have this delicious pan con tomate. Oh yeah. So you've, so you've turned a bit of stale bread and a tomato that's too soft to actually cook with into a really nice dish. And like that whole plate is just Catalonia, the workers of Catalonia through and through for me. And it's really different to what you imagine Spanish food to be. Nice. And, and where would you go specifically to find this? I'm guessing this is a suburban dish. This is not going to be on a, a tourist restaurant in the main street somewhere. So. <laughs> this will not be, no, no, you're right. This will not be um, on, sort of a, on a tourist menu. When you're in the center, you will find butifara and mongetas, just that, on many mm. daily menus. But for me, if you want to go and try all of this together, I think of my two favorite places to have this are both in uh, Gracia, where you guys did the tour. One is because Gracia is kind of like a little bit of in the city. Mm. Um, it's a super Catalan area. So we go to, or I go to a place called Yard de Foc. Uh, double L A R D E and then Fox is fire F O C. And that is run by two brothers who are crazy, basically. Um, okay. honestly, honestly, if you go uh, like they, they really are, they're, they're both like they're both from the south of Spain, but they have adopted Catalonia and 
they now run this kind of super traditional Catalan country style restaurant in the city. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy idea, but they do and it works really well. So I would go there. Or another place in Gracia, which I really like for this, is called Cal Poter. C-A-L and B-O-T-E-R. If you go to Gracia, either of those places, you'll find fantastic Putifada Manchester Scalibada. All right. Nice. That sounds pretty good. Uh, I mean, we've had the tomato bread before, but we have not had the other dishes, I don't think. Not in Barcelona anyway. So we'll have to look out for that. No, we had the bread quite a lot with uh, a nice glass of chilled cava. Which uh, didn't yeah, upset yeah, me at all. Did. No, so the pan con tomate, or in Catalan, pan tomaca, is so ubiquitous for the area. I went on, I went on my honeymoon with my wife to Singapore and Indonesia. Um, obviously, great food, but when we were flying back, I was just again, I was craving, I, I was craving pan con tomate. This just really subtle but fruity and slightly peppery combination of tomato, salt, olive oil. Um, it's just manna from heaven. Nice. And a little bit of garlic, if you want. Rub a little yeah, bit of garlic yeah, on the yeah. bread. So the, garlic, the garlic's kind of optional. So actually, with, with the dish I just explained, the butifada dish, that's normally served in the country. And in the country, your pan con tomate normally comes toasted with everything on the side. So you'll have big slices of bread, toasted and then you'll get given uh, some garlic a tomato sort of olive oil in the mm. city however in the city we tend not to put garlic on our tomato okay people are closer together and they don't want to smell each other's breath so i guess that makes i sense. guess that's it i guess that's it something like that Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> who knows all right cool no that's a really really fantastic dish so uh, people can find those little suburban restaurants in garcia mm. and uh, and go and search that one out yeah, all right absolutely. i know you've got a few more dishes to talk yes. about so let's move on to the next one so the next one actually it's i'm going to speak about it's not necessarily a dish i do have two dishes to that, that sort of typify the style of cooking in catalonia but i want to talk about the, the mar y montaña mar y montaña which is sea and mountain. In Catalonia, we have the Costa Brava and we have the Pyrenees. So in the north in the north of Catalonia, you can live 20 minutes from the beach and half an hour from the Pyrenees. So mm. you've got both of these things right at your doorstep. And as a result, there's a strong sort of tendency in Catalan food to combine the two. But it's not kind of surf and turf. This is not just a steak with a shrimp cocktail next to it. This actually sort of, this is much more about, I guess, telling a story and it's really of the land and of the area. So the, the two dishes which um, sort of, I think, exemplify this most in, in Barcelona and Catalonia, one is Arroz Negro, which, uh, as we were speaking before, um, lots of European countries around the Mediterranean have their versions of this, of sort of a black rice dish. But in Catalonia, it's not just seafood that will go in there. You will have squidding you will have squid and you'll also have our, our friend butifarra mm. so it's a, so it's much meatier than your standard maybe black rice dish which is just seafood in catalonia we add the meat to it as well um yeah. and again so combining that that sort of the sea and the mountain flavors um then the other dish which i think really is sort of emblematic of this uh mandonguilas or albondigas in Spanish, meatballs. And oh, yeah. We have, we have beef and squid, meatballs. Oh. So, and it's a really weird combination. Like, when I first heard about it, like, often when you hear Catalan dishes for the first time, you think that's going to taste bad. So kind of we have kind of one of the restaurants near where my wife's parents have a house up in the Costa Brava. A famous dish is rabbit with prawns. You know, mm. um, rabbit's a bit of an acquired taste, and with prawns even more so maybe. But that's a really common dish. Uh, maybe uh, sometimes with some chocolate put in there. It's Catalan cuisine can be quite weird, and like beef wow. and squid, beef and squid meatballs. I think ticks a few weird boxes, but. After a while, you get so used to the flavor that having a meatball without squid suddenly doesn't taste right. <laughs> hmm. It's just like, it's just like, well, it's just like, well, this is boring. 
Mm, yeah, I get it. Beef. Mm, yeah, yeah, vegetables. Delicious. Where's the weird squid kind of hit of flavor? And so, again, when, and again, this is, doesn't, doesn't sound particularly Spanish. And maybe it's not because the only real mountains in Spain are at the very top, the Pyrenees. It's only in the north of Spain that we actually produce any sort of beef. Yeah. So you've got this beef and squid meatball, which is, yeah, just fantastic. So the, this Mali Montana combination is really traditional in Catalonia. And I would encourage anyone that comes here, if you see a dish which you think that just doesn't sound great, please order it. Give it a go. <laughs> Give, try, try beef and squid meatballs. Trust me, they are really, really, really good. Yeah. As long as it's not egg sausage, that one really is weird. Okay. So okay, yeah, stay yeah, away egg, from the egg sausage, but. Everything egg sausage, else. egg sausage, objectively confirmed, not tasty. Um, but <laughs> yeah. beef, beef and squid meatballs, the opposite. Beef and squid meatballs are delicious. Ooh, fantastic! So, is there any sort of reason why this happened, or it's just some peasant somewhere went, oh, "I've got this leftover," and then it just happened? This is how dishes in Catalonia often come into being. Yeah, um, it's it's. Catalans are quite pragmatic, so it's a case of, right, what do we have? Well, I've got some good squid and I've got some good beef. I'm going to put them together and give them a go. Um, you, if you look back throughout the centuries, kind of, Catalonia's got some of the oldest cookbooks ever recorded. Um, and you can go back sort of 500 years and find recipes for these dishes, for dishes of meat and seafood. Um, so something we've been doing in, in Catalonia for centuries, and it's really just the case of, well, we've got both of them, we, we should use them. Throw them together, see what happens, and it worked out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and now it's, as I say, now you go to kind of, go to any, go, go to lots of tapas bars, and loads of them will have the albondigas con sepia, so which is the, yeah, with meatballs with squid. Yeah, because I mean, albondigas are always one of the first things on my list whenever I go to Spain, any part uh, of Spain. Okay. But I've never had them with uh, with squid in, so this is super interesting. Adding so, to yeah. the must-try oh, list. Yeah, that's on the list for sure. And like, you might have bits of squid actually in the meatballs, uh, and sometimes they'll just flavor the sauce with squid. Um, but either way, either way, unmistakable. Meat, what, a, a set of those with some palabas and some bread for mopping everything up and you're happy nice all right that sounds good so have you got anything else for us today mm, yes um i have a sweet tooth so i wanted to include a dessert but what i didn't want to include was crema catalana um crema catalana is it's not our version of creme brulee the first yeah. recipe the first sort of a recorded uh, instance of Crema Catalana predates creme brulee by like 300 years. So uh, oh, hey. creme brulee is the French version of Crema Catalana. Okay? Ah. And, don't let and the difference is that they don't crisp off the top. Is that the only difference? I, can't I think we had it. I can't remember now. There are a few ingredients which are different. Um, and actually, it's a great way of showing the difference, I guess, in kind of inherent wealth between the two countries. So when you think of creme brulee, Creme brulee is heavy, you know, it's quite a heavy mm. sort of thick dessert, cre lots of cream, and the flavoring is vanilla, this kind of heady, expensive, you know, it's, it's, it's not cheap nowadays, it was even more expensive in the past, this quite mm. expensive spice, it's decadent, it's luxurious, um, I can, you can imagine people tucking into this uh, in the uh, restaurants of Lyon and Paris, that kind of thing. Crema Catalana, is much cheaper to produce. So instead of it being all cream, we, in Catalonia, we use cream and milk. Milk's a bit cheaper, a bit easier to come by. And so as a result, you have kind of a looser consistency uh, to the pudding than with creme brulee. Um, you then flavor it differently. So the Spanish, yeah, we had an empire here, but vanilla's expensive. Weren't interested in using that. So we use citrus, either orange or lemon, whichever one is sort of closest to hand, and then some cinnamon, which is a much cheaper spice than vanilla. So Crema Catalana has this lighter texture and consistency and a sort of a lighter flavor or a fruitier flavor. It's not that heady vanilla. It's light citrus with a bit of cinnamon. Yeah. Good. So kind of that's the difference between those two. But for me, 
it, when you come to Barcelona, if you really want to try a dessert of Barcelona, of Catalonia, you should be having Mel y Mato. Yeah, and this is one you, you sent it through saying that you wanted to chat about it. And I was like, I absolutely have zero idea what this is. All the other dishes <laughs> you mentioned, I was like, yeah, okay, yep, sort of heard of that. And yep, I know variations of that. This was like, what? What is this? Yeah, uh, Meli Mato makes me happy and has done, <laughs> since I've, has done since I first tried it. It's For me, it's everything a dessert should be. Um, it's... It's clean, it's floral, it's light, it's complex, yet super simple. Um, it can, its flavor changes restaurant to restaurant, depending on the farm that they get the cheese from and depending on the honey that they use. This, for me, this dish is just it's it's essential to Catalonia. So what it is is mel y mato. Mel is honey, miel, honey, and mato is like a fresh cheese. So you no, know, lots of you can, you can find these fresh cheeses in France and in Italy as well. Think of the kind of whitest, lightest sort of cheese that you'll get uh, in those countries, and that's kind of what this one is. It, it's soft. It might crumble a little bit. And it's, I say, very sort of quite mild in flavor. There's this there's a very subtle creaminess to sort of these fresh cheeses. And so you'll get this serve. Um, the, my favorite place I ever had is a restaurant, which is actually closed down now, unfortunately, up uh, in a place called La Fosca on the Costa Brava. And there, what they would do is they literally just bring you like a sort of a block of this cheese, about two centimeters in depth, and then about sort of five by five centimeter sort of square of it. And it's wrapped in the cheesecloth. So they bring it over, you open up the cheesecloth like it's a little parcel or, or a present. And when, once you've opened it all up, you just have this beautiful, white, creamy block of cheese staring at you. And then they just dump a huge jar of honey next to your plate. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like Winnie the Pooh. Honey, honey is all I really need. And so you just kind of, so you just spoon on this honey, drizzle it all over the, 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 the mato. And I don't know what it is, but with the sunlight coming through this golden honey, this white cheese, it's just beautiful. And that's the dessert. In some places you have it served with walnuts. In some places it'll, it'll all come pre-mixed in a bowl. You know, they'll dollop some mato, pour some honey on for you. But for me, the way this dish should come is a block of cheese in cheesecloth and then a jar of honey next to it. Nice. Like yeah. perfectly made natural products and bam, you don't really need to do a lot else to it to make it awesome. Precisely. That's it. It's just, it's really celebrating the ingredients. It's celebrating the land of Catalonia. Uh, the grass is super important to going into the quality of the cheese that comes out and obviously the honey. Now in Catalonia, we have, as I said, we have, we have mountains, we have sea. So you've got really diverse tastes in the honey. You can have honey from down by the Costa Brava or, or, or along the, the Maresma coast, which is the coast between Barcelona and Costa Brava, uh, which is full of flowers and like pine and sort of pine flavors. Or you can go up into the Pyrenees and get mountain honey. And mato is produced all over Catalonia. So again, you can have mato, which is a bit heavier, which is being produced up in the mountains. We're going to have lighter matter from down by the coast where the, the grass actually sort of has some of these salty flavors uh, from the sea. Mm. And just, and so, yeah, for me, again, it's, it's Catalonia. It's simple. It's celebrating the region. It's a really humble dish. And for me, that, again, that, 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 that's Catalonia and Barcelona through and through. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Going to have to look that up as well. All right, we're going to have to come back to Barcelona. That's, I'm that's afraid it. so. It's I'm decided. afraid so. Yeah, we've been and so if, many times. We've been there. I've been there maybe five times, I think, and I still have only had like one or two of the dishes you mentioned out of all of these. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to, there's so much to try in Barcelona because um, obviously we've we've also in Barcelona we've adopted all of the food from the rest of Spain. So you can come here and get great tapas, but tapas isn't from Barcelona; it's from the south. And we have pinchos from the Basque Country and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But I would really encourage you when you come to Barcelona, don't have as Tom meant, don't have paella on Las Ramblas. No, um, <laughs> it's it's not the thing you do. Um, no, 
stained yellow with food coloring and just kind of you order it and it comes in five minutes that means they've just microwaved it um yeah so but go and try these weird dishes go to ugly looking bars because they're probably the oldest ones run by the locals go to those they might seem a bit gruff on the outside but once you start talking to them they're really friendly and yeah I, what i would say is one thing i have to do is i often ask recommendations i, I love us just going into a restaurant and saying yeah just give me what you think's good um mm-hmm. but often what they will do is people in katharina are so humble they don't think you will like what they like so yeah. they'll bring you they'll be like oh okay well you should have the standard normal dish we put on the menu for tourists right yeah. so i would actually say don't ask recommendations because they will just give you what they think you're going to like go in there find a weird dish order that and just go that's a really good tip because we definitely have found that in a lot of places we've visited i think we were in like northern Macedonia or something like that, and we were like, "So where can we go get food?" And they're like, "There's Domino's down the street." And we're like, "No, no, 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 no! We want to eat your food." They they just assumed yeah. that we would want to turn up and eat pizza in Skopje. Absolutely, I, I, I say like, the locals here don't. They, the last thing they want is for you to be disappointed, so they'd much rather give you like a safe thing than what people like you and I would like to try. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good tip for everywhere, not just Barcelona. So definitely good one. And another thing that we do is we we say like, what would you order if you came to this restaurant? Don't tell me what I should order. Tell me what you would yes. order as as a waiter, as a person who eats here already. Yeah, and that's the that can help well. sometimes. But yeah, I like ordering weird stuff on the menu that I've never ever heard of and have no idea what it is. And eighty percent of the time, it's okay, and then twenty percent <laughs> of the time, it's chicken heads. So yeah. you know. <laughs> So yeah, if yep. you don't like chicken heads, don't order cap e potter in in Barcelona. Okay, <laughs> everybody take like, note. Yeah, cap e potter literally means head in pot. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep it simple. That's yeah, yeah. the Catalonian way, apparently. Steer, steer clear of cap e potter. Steer clear of ah, the name has just escaped me. Um, Caios, Caios, um, which is just tribe. Tripe, yeah. And what, one of my one of my favourite places in Barcelona, a bar that we go to one of our tours called Bar Juan in San Catalina Market. They have um, they've translated their menu into English because they're writing the sentence that, that they have to. And their tripe dish in English is just called guts of the house. Um, <laughs> mm, yum yum. I should really tell them to to change the name of that. <laughs> and. and uh, on that note, from guts of the house to uh, if people want to find um, some really fantastic food without just taking a gamble, of course, you can join Owen for a tour. So tell us a little bit about uh, where people can find you online and eventually book tours once things start to get back to normal. Sure. Well, yeah. Um, so uh, go to devourtours.com and there you can navigate to any one of the eight cities that we're currently, I say currently operating in, kind of, you know, we have, have almost there. operating in. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, which is Barcelona, Madrid, Seville, San Sebastian in Spain. And outside of Spain, it's Lisbon, Rome, Paris, and London. Um, it looks like, it looks like in Spain anyway, we're going to start offering tours again next week. Um, oh, wow. Yes. So not that anyone can necessarily come and actually do the tours, but we can certainly do them. We, we can run the tours. So in each of our cities, we're going to be running, starting off with a couple of them. Um, one morning, one evening, that kind of thing. And yeah, we can, if you can, if you can get to Barcelona next week, I can take you on tour. Uh, I can't, I wish. <laughs> Our borders yeah. are closed here still in Georgia. We're still in Georgia. So yeah. Yeah. I think and, and ours, ours are closed for another week, I think. But yeah, so come yeah. July, come the start of July, we will be running tours across, across, across Spain. But also, uh, you guys, you guys are offering a lot of stuff online presently as yeah, well. So yeah, yeah. jump on social media, so Instagram and Facebook uh, for Devour Tours, and you guys have definitely have been keeping busy over the past couple of months. There hasn't been any slowing down in releasing of content. All. No, not at all. No, if you if you want to go, if you go to our Facebook page, you can find lots of 
free uh, content that we've put up, including a couple of sessions with me about coffee, because that was mm-hmm. my, my, my thing before moving here. Um, but you can also, yeah, as, thanks, Maxi. We, we're doing cooking classes. We're doing sort of uh, wine tutorials, um, doing things like discover the history of Portugal through 10 dishes. Uh, there are loads of things on there. As this weekend, I'm moderating a few of the experiences. Dara is cooking bacalao abrash in Lisbon. Um, mm. We have we have a tapas class in Spain in, in Barcelona, and Nika, one of our fantastic Barcelona guides, um, is doing a Spain wine one hundred and one tutorial. So, if you have if it's anything you want to know about Spanish wine, jump into one of our classes. Awesome. All right. So yeah. So on social media, people can just search Devour Tours, and they'll find you pretty much straight Absolutely. away. You reckon? Uh, Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Go and go on to. Uh, I'd recommend Instagram. That's where we're most active. So, Devoutors on Instagram, and yeah, kind of we, we put up new content there. We're putting at the moment where we're going around and reconnecting with all of the vendors who have been closed. So, if you mm. go and look at the stories on Instagram, you'll see us masks and all, social distancing and all, just getting back in touch with the vendors. It's great to see them all opening again. Yeah, yeah. We really hope that stuff will start getting back to normal very soon and there won't be too much recurrence and that people can, yeah, can maintain that social distancing so we don't get some second waves in some of these countries that have actually managed to knock it down and and not dealing with it as much now. So we're keeping our fingers crossed. Absolutely. All right. I think on that note, we are going to have to end. But Owen, once again, thanks for joining us on The Dish. Thank you for having me. No worries. Appreciate it. Lots of really tasty food. So whether you're listening to this in 2020 or years in the future where we're all wearing goldfish bowls on our heads, walking around, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but uh, go to Barcelona if you can and go do a tour and eat some amazing food. Okay. That was our interview with Owen from Devour Tours Barcelona. So thanks to Owen again for coming on the show and introducing us to some great new dishes. And also one dish that's not so great. Uh, yeah, well, maybe two. So uh, egg sausage with sardines. Absolutely not. Was there, was there another one? Oh, yeah. Head I, I in wasn't going to order that anyway. Oh, head. Yeah. Head, head in, in a, a pot. pot. <laughs> and the tripe. But we, I mean, we've some people always like steer, clear, steer clear of the tripe. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's it for this episode. We'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. So do stick around and get into that. Or if you haven't listened to our back catalog, there's there's like more than 50 episodes there to go listen to. So go and find some destinations you're interested in or some dishes that you don't know the history to. And we've got some, some pretty cool stuff there. As for everything else, I uh, hope you're safe and well where you are. Crisis is still going on for a lot of people. Uh, it's not perfect here either, but things are getting better. I hope it's getting better where you are as well. And if you're listening to a lot of podcasts right now because you're sort of stuck at home, then please, if you're enjoying our show, leave us a five-star review. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, if you've got a bit of spare time up your sleeve, which a few people do. Some people still do. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, yeah, we would love a five-star review if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy the show in general. Uh, But also remember just to tell a friend, share it on social media and let other people know that we exist, and then they can start listening to us as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that. We will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app or channel. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.